Sometimes we need to, but it's so empowering when we're like, oh my gosh, okay, I focused on this. I did this, you know, for seven days or 16 days, whatever it may be. And I feel better and I did it, right? Like I accomplished it. You accomplished this. You feel better because you made steps to feel empowered. And that's, you know, that is so much better. And that is really what I'm looking for, examples of women who have taken their lives into their own hands in their second spring. I'm going to take it. I love, I love it. it. Take it. And, the Japanese. And, and allowed themselves to change and evolve and pivot towards maybe a version of themselves that they wouldn't give them permis themselves permission to be yeah. or doing things that they might not have let themselves pursue because they were too, it was too risky or too unconventional or, you know, too scary. Yeah. Right. Or when too we're, out of the box. Right, when we're taught to pursue safety. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Together. Welcome to our show. Welcome back to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Menopause is not funny for most people, not fun for most people, but what can make it so? I think this is what we need to discuss. This is where we need to go today. So today we're going to talk about some journeys through menopause. I'm going to share some stories and I have a guest on who's going to share her story as well. But what can make it a fun, sexy menopause? Funny, sexy menopause? I don't know. It just seems like a complicated oxymoron of sorts. But I had a client this week and she's in her early 40s and she's exhausted, can't get out of bed and is it has been struggling and struggling with the feeling of being a good mom during this time period of what we know to be a transition time period. Menopause is natural and mandatory. Suffering is optional. It is no more of a disease state than puberty is. Although if you like me have had uh, teenagers in the house and I've had four daughters going through their teenage years, you know that it may seem like a disease state. It may absolutely seem that way. And oh my gosh, you just can't wait for it to be like smooth sailing again. I don't know with the mood swings and everything. I mean, you can see it happening. There's a beautiful Emory expression that we had in surgery and it was the eyes don't see what the mind don't know. Now, as I explain this to you about puberty, you can kind of see maybe how it's relating to menopause, past or future transition of yourself or someone you know. Puberty, for instance, is there a time period where maybe your teenage daughter is like, you know, just feels like she hates you. I don't know how else to explain it, but you can do nothing right. You can't drive the car at the right speed. You stop too long at a stop sign. Um, and that was just this morning. <laughs> but it can it can be the way is it moodiness and is it just for maybe these few days before um her menses possibly or, you know, and that's like I'm I'm pulling out the mighty maca smoothie 
when she gets home from school, without a doubt. Like I know what to do to navigate some hormonal, hormonal fluxes for sure. Let's call it that. But it is really not a disease state and neither should menopause. But you see the mood swings that can happen in puberty if you're blessed to be in menopause and have a teenager in the house at the same time. You can experience these things, which I think is just, you know, God, that's just cruel. That's all I can say, you know just cruel. But in menopause, same thing. Sometimes you just love life and sometimes you don't. And sometimes the world looks bright and happy and sometimes it looks sinister and crazy. But when I hear influencers talk about menopause as a disease state, I have a problem with that. I do have a problem because again, we don't consider puberty a disease state most of the time, nor do we consider childhood a hormone deficient state. So do we talk about the deficiencies or do we talk about the blessing? What about this rewiring that we are designed to experience? We are designed to have sex the rest of our life. Things may, you know, change, but keeping that area healthy is really important because we have it, right? Our our body is designed for pleasure and pleasurable experiences. But body is designed for pleasure and pleasurable experiences. Menopause transition is designed to lift the cloud of the reproductive hormones so we can have a higher, more generous conduit to God, to spirit, to one. And there's a purpose in that. I truly believe that. Please message me, send a message, email my team, put it you know, in comments, but let me know what you're experiencing. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like menopause should be revered and respected and not to look at what we're lacking anymore, but what is the fullness of our life? I want to take that approach to the second spring of our life, that there is a fullness, there is a beauty, there is a magic that happens. So a uh, quick note on that, my program Magic Menopause, you can get that with my girlfriend doctor bundle of products for a really amazing price and go to first and foremost, listen to my free masterclass, Three Secrets to Hormone Harmony. And you get that by going to dranna.com and go to the free resources page and you will see that Three Secrets to Hormone Harmony. Well, let's bring in our guest and let me introduce you. Well, welcome, Erin. I am so excited to have you here on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, one of the things I was just talking to my girlfriends about is that, you know, how hearing more and more influencers address menopause as a hormone deficient state. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it's just like the negative. What do you think about that? I think how we frame things means something. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we can frame things in a way that feels empowering and positive, why wouldn't we do that? I think women are up against so many things in life where we feel deficient, even when we're crushing it. <laughs> so Don't true. tell me I'm hormone deficient. I'm in a new phase of life. I'm in a transition. In a transition, in a rewiring, in yeah. a new stage, like you are you know, I just think about it. we are perfectly designed and created the way we are. Now, there's imbalances in hormones due to artificial reasons versus natural reasons, too. Mm. So we've got to correct those issues. I'm all about replenishing hormones and optimizing them because we don't live in a natural state. We don't live in nature. No, we're not in the garden anymore. Yeah. We are not in the garden anymore. <laughs> and yeah, just saying can't even get there <laughs> enough. So I think that's important because we get so much healing. We're designed to heal through through nature as, as much as possible. Again, I want to blend science with nature to the best of our degree, but also looking at the blue zones. If we look at the areas in the world with the oldest living 
people, what do we know? Like there's some common threads and Mm -hmm. not one of them is hormone replacement therapy. Again, let me tell you, I'm an advocate. I'm not living in a blue zone. So, you know, again, want to look at this and say, well, how do we live the highest, healthiest quality of the days that we have? I agree with you. And that is, that's really what my mission is all about with the podcast that I started called Hotter Than Ever. I'm 52. I'll be 52 in a week. And I've really turned my life. Thank you so much. I've never felt better. I've never been happier. And it's because I allowed myself to sort of excavate all of the unconscious rules that I was following and investigate those and decide whether or not I wanted to keep them or whether I wanted to break them. And that's meant a lot of change and a lot of transition. But I think a lot of us, you know, post 40 into our 40s, 50s, 60s, feel like a different person than we felt in our 20s, but we're living out the consequences of the decisions we made early on in our lives. And it's time to revisit and reboot because the back half can be I'm trying to reframe. I've been saying the back half, but now I'm kind of like the second half, the, the, second, the spring. second act, the second, second spring. spring. Thank you. I need the language from people yeah. like you who live in this space. Well, yeah, the Japanese really, actually yeah. call like their word for this transition or this post menopause is second spring, konenki. So I love that. I want to embrace that because we, you know, women are revered in that culture. Now I think, okay, there's a lack that you're a less than now because you're in menopause. I love what you do. I want you to share a little bit about your background too with our audience. So I'm just, you guys, this Erin, she is a superstar. She's an award-winning television development and production exec. And she's just amazing. So I want you to share a little bit your story and like that shift that you made, because it's so important. Like if we consider menopause time to really hone in on all the skills that we've learned and the passions that we have that may have been tucked away for a while. I think that's right, especially if you're trying to sort of win at a conventional game. I mean, my story was that I was a writer performer as a young person into my 20s. And then I realized I was a producer. I was producing a lot of shows downtown in New York. And then I was like, I think this is a career. And I went into television for the last 20 years and climbed that ladder and made a lot of great TV shows. Comedy is my passion. So I worked on things like Portlandia on IFC and a bunch of animated series and won some awards for my work both in TV and then also in mobile. I worked at Snapchat. Talk about youth culture for six (laughs) years. That'll keep you young, right? That'll keep you young. But I also really struggled with owning my age in a context where there were all of these very young people with a lot of agency. And one of the things that I sort of hid was I don't come off as 52, but I, you know, people would go around the circle and say, what was your first concert? What was your first concert? And I would conveniently leave the room because anything that I would say, the people were like, oh, Beyonce, Jay-Z. And I was like, the stray cats. Do you remember them? Fears. Love them. (laughs) So maybe your listeners can relate to that. But my peers at Snapchat certainly couldn't. And that was one thing that I really coming into this transition in my life where I'm really owning everything about myself. I'm really proud to say my age and the phase of life that I'm in. I don't want 
want to hide that. I don't want to be someone who pretends to be something I'm not because what we are at this point in our lives is so powerful and has so much potential to change the world and to change our own happiness. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be sort of on the other side of this big television career. Never say never. I'll probably produce TV again, but I'll do it in a very different way. And I think I'll do it with an eye towards empowering women and telling our stories, whether they're messy or whether they're kind of what you would expect or probably what you would not expect. You know, at this point in our lives, I think we can do anything we choose. We just have to choose to do things differently. Yeah, no, I think you're so right. And I always say we are in this tidal wave of change because, you know, women in the workforce, women in TV, women in medicine. I mean, that this was our generation coming to more a presence, a bigger presence. So we are now in this menopause, post-menopause, in this journey, in this transition, and, you know, are speaking about it. What I've been told is not working. You know, this doesn't feel right, or, you know, I'm not allowing myself to be ignored by the medical system or the media or whatever. I don't want to be berated and feel less than. And so speaking up about what's authentic to us and and looking for those good examples in our world are, you know, have changed lives, have improved their lives, are living their fullest, you know, well into their second spring. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. And I look back in history too, like, you know, when did like when did mother Teresa really start her work was it post-menopause i mean seriously mm-hmm. and things you know these this is important to understand what fills our tank what makes us feel alive and full is what our focus needs to be right now absolutely and i feel like one of the things that shifted for me is the way that i approach my own ambitions i think when i was younger i felt like i had to force things mm-hmm. i had to push i had to drive i had to grind and now i feel like I'm going to embrace flow of my life and I'm going to allow the universe to give me signs. I've gotten a little woo in my older years. I've gotten a little more spiritual and a little softer and I'm no less ambitious. I'm no less hungry to accomplish things, no less driven by my passion. In fact, I may be more driven by my passion, but I am not willing to do it in a way that hurts anymore. I want to go into that woo because, you know, and speaking of woo, I mean, like when you said that, I was like, woo, like when we're children and we experience our imaginary friends and our fantasies and our play and all that good woo before we were suppressed into a certain way of doing, believing, thinking, acting. And so woo like that, all right, like I'm all in. And I just went to a week-long meditation retreat held by Joe Dispenza. And there I met Gary Goldstein, who is a producer, a TV producer like you. He produced Pretty Woman and many others. Well, that was the one like, I'm like, love that one. That is iconic. Yes. And so with, and what he said, exactly what you said, he goes, I don't want to produce anything that is without meaning, that doesn't have deep meaning, that doesn't make a movement, that doesn't, you know, isn't out for our highest and best good. And I honor that. I mean, I honor what you said and I respect that. And so like, I want to hear your woo. <laughs> yeah, my woo, you know, I, I feel like I'm like a bird who's feathered their nest with all kinds of shiny things that work for me, right? So, and I think, you know, in the absence of a conventional religious practice, I think a lot of us are looking to cobble together and assemble a set of tools and spiritual practices 
that may be really simple, but that can help keep us in touch with ourselves and with the bigger picture of life. For me, it has to do with journaling. It has to do with meditation, even if it's real short, even if it's five minutes. I find my day goes better if I do that. Now, do I do it every day? No. I don't. I don't want to lie about it. I don't want to pretend I'm some sort of virtuous spiritual person. I lean into these things when I need them. And do I know that I'd be better off if I was like real rigorous about it? Yes. And I'm working towards that. I have a little altar in my bedroom. You know, I like candles and incense. I write little mantras on a piece of paper and and put it in there and read it out loud. I have money on my altar because I want abundance. You know, I think we can make our own spiritual symbols and human beings like to make meaning. Mm -hmm. That is what we like to do. That is how we are wired. And so I find my ways to assemble meaning. And then I'm also always looking for wisdom from other women. And part of the reason that I love having conversations like this one is I'm hungry to learn what gets you through the day, what lights you up. I mean, you radiate, you know, you absolutely radiate. And so where's that coming from? You know, and how can I get you some My granddaughter, you'll have to come visit. Is she magical? Oh, she's magical. Oh, she's magical. She is so good. That is my oxytocin boost. You know, I had to hear her voice on the phone to get a hug from her. She's just, I mean, it is. It's that magic that that comes into your life. And there's magic around all of us. And I love that, you know, you're creating triggers, creating symbols that remind you of a bigger picture, right? Remind you that there's so much more that in our lives, that there, you know, that there can be more happiness, more abundance. There's not a limitation on that. Yeah, for sure. And I think for a long time, and I'm just, I'm very tail end of getting divorced, which has been a journey, but was a long time coming and is absolutely the right thing for me. You know, that process and the process of what happened to me, which was I got COVID, I got very sick. It gave me a cosmic perspective on life and made me sort of wake share up this story. realities. Yeah, because do you share that story with me and, you know, in our conversation when we first became girlfriends? Yeah. So I would love for you, if you're, if you're open to, I would love for you to share that story. For sure. Yeah, I was, you know, I was working, 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 working in my job. And I got sick and I got tested positive for COVID. And I was like, I was vaccinated. So I felt like, okay, I'm going to be just fine. You know, this is just like a bad cold. This is a flu feeling. But as time progressed and I wasn't getting better, I did go to a hospital nearby in a new neighborhood that I had moved into, didn't really know the lay of the land medically. They were really insufficient in what they recommended to me. They basically were like, yeah, it looks like you have COVID. You have the symptoms of COVID. I'm like, I came here because I have COVID. And I'm not doing well. So then the direction to me was go home and rest. And it became COVID pneumonia. I checked into UCLA and they were like, right this way, young lady, because compared to everybody else who was there suffering... I was one of the earliest people in August of 22 to be young and vaccinated and sick enough to go to the hospital. So they put me on remdesivir. They gave me steroids. They watched me overnight. They put me in a room by myself. And instead of my experience being, oh, my God, I'm freaked out. I have COVID. I'm in the hospital. My experience was I'm alone in a room by myself. No one can call me and ask me for anything. I'm at Canyon Ranch as far as I've can tell. You know, I felt like I was at a spa. People were checking on me. People were making sure I was okay. I was responding well to the treatment. And I was listening to podcasts and watching TV and texting my friends. Like, 
And I was like, something's wrong here. Like if I have to get this sick, if I have to go to the hospital and be checked in, you know, I was there for 20, for 48 hours for two nights. And it wasn't, you know, people ask, oh, were you intubated? But no, I was not. Thank God. But I was sick enough to need to be there. And I just started to think to myself, "Is this isn't right. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong in my life that it took me getting sick like this to be able to stop the crazy momentum of everything I had in motion. And that was everything from my job to my marriage to the way I was thinking about what I needed to do and be in the world. I really was like, oh man, if I died tomorrow, would I have wanted to go out this way? You know, it got real deep for me real fast. And the answer was hell no. And so, you know, that was the beginning of two years ago of me. Was it two years? I'm like lost on the timeline of COVID. Um, maybe it was 21. It was 21. Anyway, we so from August 21 <laughs> till now, right? So just right. two years. So it, was two, it was two years. So I went into couples counseling with my now ex-husband. We knew it was going to be the last time. We had done it again and again over time. It had never worked. And we both were like, this marriage isn't working. I felt like there were all these rules I was following. I was a of I have twins. They're now 12. They were 10 at the time. I really did not feel I I thought I would hurt them more by getting divorced than by staying with my ex and having them live in conflict. That changed after COVID. And I realized what's good for me is good for them. I was working at a job where on paper, God looked amazing. And it was an amazing job. And I accomplished incredible things. And I loved it. But I was using work as a substitute for so many other things in my life, because that was where I was getting the good feedback, right? That was where I was getting the juice and the positivity. It wasn't coming from my marriage. It wasn't coming from the way that our family dynamic was working at home. I want to pause on that, Erin, because that's such an important thing. Like the, you know, we get accolades at work. We get, Mm -hmm. you know, awards, diplomas, certificates, recognition, whatever, kudos from our clients, patients, colleagues, whatever it may be. And then we get home and we feel less than. Yeah. Feel like I just can't do enough. I don't feel like I can get the job done or I'm not doing good. I constantly feel beyond behind the eight ball. And I think this is partly societal. Like we don't have the village around us. We don't have the multi-generational homes to help us to take some of the burden off like working moms and and stay-at-home moms, but just that concept of having a support system, having a network. And so I acknowledge I, I can completely relate to what you were feeling. Yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, I, yeah, I felt like I could do work And then I could do kids and I really couldn't do anything else. Like my friendships fell by the wayside. My self-care was really weak. I was really out of touch with my brain and my body were really disconnected. And I've suffered from that a lot in my life, but I... I was very aware of how out of touch I was with my physical self. I was in a marriage where I didn't have sex for the last decade. And that's always been something that's really important to me. So that was one of the things I set out to fix <laughs> right away the second my ex moved out. And that's been a huge you know, rebirth for me and also a way to connect mind and body through sexuality. And I'm a big fan. 
So, you know, a lot of things really needed to change in my life. And I really needed to let go of all these preconceptions that I had about like being successful was because I had everything on paper. You know, I had just bought my first house. I, you know, I was making money for the first time, like really decent money. I had this interesting career. I had these beautiful children. I had a marriage. I had, I had, I had, I had, right. But inside I was really empty. Mm-hmm. and really hurting. And I just allowed myself to let go of the things that were not serving me and to really ask myself, where am I lying? and Where am I telling the truth in my life? Um, so I was surprised myself as being this like honest person. But in reality, I had all these sort of made up ingrained ideas that actually were just stories and not truth. And I think so much to that disconnect, that mind body disconnect it's prevalent, right? Like that should mm-hmm. have its own diagnosis code in our medical system. But, and also the inability to actually feel what you're really feeling, like the disassociation, like someone could ask you, how do you feel? Or just say the routine, oh, I feel fine, feel good. But yeah, really good. like, how do you feel? Are you feeling isolated? Are you feeling, you know, do you have angst with the fact that you're roommates instead of lovers and this you know, marriage that, you know, you worked hard for, right? Spent a lot of time, you know, this person better than most anyone, right? We think at that point. And so like what, you know, like understanding what are the feelings that we had to keep shutting off versus communicating versus, you know, keeping the connection between our heart and our mind Mm. together and able to express that to those around us as well and not be afraid to communicate it too. I think that getting in touch with our feelings is such an important form of therapy. So for everyone listening right now, I'm just going to, we're just going to pause, take a deep breath. Don't shut your eyes if you're driving, but just to like say, okay, how am I feeling now? How am I relating to the state? You know, Aaron, how are you feeling now? Yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm feeling great. (laughs) I feel really great. I feel you know, just full disclosure, I signed my divorce agreement last night and I immediately just felt a huge weight lifted, you know, that I don't have to be responsible for the well-being of this person who I cared for a really long time. And he's still the father of my children and he will always be in my life. But now is an opportunity to reshape that dynamic in a way that works for me where I don't have to put him first. And I never did have to put him first, but that's how I was trained as a child to accommodate and to sort of not have my own back. So today I have my own back. Mm-hmm. And today I'm fully self-expressed and I say what I need to say. And today I have a hot boyfriend who thinks I'm the hottest thing in the world. And I'm crazy about him and like, who knows what that's going to be? I don't know the future. I don't need to know the future. I need to know today. You know, I don't need to know how everything is going to unfold. I don't have to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I can have visions and goals and dreams. You know, I can have things I'm working towards. I can have milestones. I can have markers. But, you know, I think we pretend like we, we know what's going to happen in our lives. Nobody knows. And everything is always, in my mind, in my experience, the third path. You think it's going to be one thing or the other. It's either this or that. It's either black or white. And then the real thing that happens is another thing. It's never one of those things, yeah. right? It's always some third thing that is informed by whatever the universe has in store for you. Yeah, so and that's that, my woo, right? I, that's my woo. That. That's where I have faith, where I believe the universe wants what's good for me. 
I'm just going to put one foot in front of the next. I need to be in action and have clear intentions. I don't have to be in charge of the how, and I don't have to be in charge of the outcome. I just have to do my work and keep plugging away at it. What you've said is being very conscious in the present moment. Yeah. Being like, okay, I am present. And I think that's true. We have goals, aspirations, visions for the future and, you know, working to be, to find heaven on earth in the present mm. moment. There's a Bible verse that says all things work for good for those who love them, mm. for those who love him. Mm. And so it doesn't say all things are good, right? All things are good, but all things work for good. Like what you're going through, like the hard time, COVID was a blessing for you. That's right. COVID was an awakening for you. So all things work for good. And I think for those who like looking to a better, higher meaning and purpose, that is something that we can do. We can really open ourselves up to. And I think more than ever, this, for me, the spiritual path that I'm on, and actually there's this beautiful convent near me and it's like, they're like, what, they're still convents? Yes, they're still convents. And they're cloistered nuns. Yes, cloistered. In other words, they don't contact with the outside world. Mm. And I go, gone a few times. We actually did my granddaughter's blessing ceremony there. And so, because they sing like angels and it's just a beautiful old tiny church and a lot of history, you know, whatever your religious beliefs are, I just share the things that what connects you to higher spirit is important. And so one thing I was talking with one of the non-cloistered nuns, she says it's not uncommon for women through after menopause that they're seeking this higher spiritual connection, this higher awareness. It's almost like they they have a direct conduit to God to be able to hear his voice, to be able to connect in a way that brings their wisdom. It brings the this universal wisdom into a very personal space. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm still listening. Start trying to listen. You know, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm still working. But like, and I love, I loved that perspective because it also reminded me to look at, you know, who are some of the game changers of the world and what stage of life were they in? And and oftentimes they were post childbearing years. And I, you know, with this menopausal transition, absolutely, ovarian function is really important. We don't want an early menopause. We an artificial menopause. We don't want anything that interferes with our body's natural transition which should be gentle and gradual. And if it's not, we've got imbalance issues we need to address. But maintaining ovarian function as long as possible is key to healthy aging and mm -hmm. longevity. So we want to do that. So detoxing the body, removing hormone disruptors, de-stressing. And so much of what you're saying is you're at peace with yourself. That is a de-stress, right? Yep. Being at peace with yourself is that longevity marker for sure. Yeah. And I have longevity in, in my family. My, my aunt just recently passed at 93. She was thriving and amazing until three months before she passed. She was, you know, out and active in the world. My mom is about to be 80 and she, everyone thinks she's in her sixties. Like I feel really blessed That's to be, awesome. from what I can tell so far on that path. And you know, what's interesting, my story with menopause is that I'm not there yet. And when I was in my marriage and not having sex, I was definitely at a place where I was getting sweaty at night. I would wake up with my legs drenched in sweat. I was like, this is a weird one. And those felt like very strong perimenopausal symptoms to me. And then when I resumed a sex life, that stopped. And I started having periods more frequently. And I think it's so interesting. And my mother said that she didn't have 
a challenging menopause at all. And so I'm really like I'm knocking wood that it won't be as difficult for me as it is for so many of my peers. But if it is, there are people like you who have so much wisdom in the space. And I feel like this conversation is only getting louder as more of us who grew up more empowered and expecting to have more agency in our lives head into this space that feels totally neglected by the medical establishment. Yeah. And what you're expressing is the the power of the shift in hormones. You went from a cortisol state, right? Isolated, mm -hmm. stress, unhappy, right? To love, oxytocin, right? And that's oxytocin is the most powerful hormone of our body. It's the most anti-aging hormone of our body. You go from cortisols will suppress ovarian function, oxytocin will optimize it. So you've regenerated naturally in this regenerative process, and that's powerful, right? It's yeah. not something that's talked about in medicine. What? Just be happier? What? Just express yourself more? What? Just nurture yourself, self-care? What? You know, like meditate more? Like, what? Like that's supposed to be anti-aging? Oh, heck yeah. That's going to be the biggest thing to help you in menopause. I would say it's, you know, there's so much that I can, it's not what I can write on a prescription pad for you. It's what you can do for yourself. Yeah. And I'm having fun again. Yeah. Like I, oxytocin's coming at me in a lot of different ways in my life. Yeah. And I'm also not stressed about menopause. I feel like it will evolve the way it evolves. I will seek insights and coaching and medical solutions and all of those things and supplementary solutions when the time is right. And I'm really grateful that it's not a black box that is just a total mystery anymore. A friend of mine I had breakfast with this morning said she was having a hot flash as we were sitting there. And she said she went to her OBGYN and who's a man and who she's been with, you know, for 20 years. And on the topic of menopause, he was basically like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like really did not have anything to say to her yeah. on that topic. Yeah. And it's just, it's appalling. <laughs> it, it, appalling. Is, it is. And like, you know, of course I have my, you know, doctor's code on when I hear that and hot flashes, we immediately think, okay, estrogen, let's give estrogen, but it's insulin resistant that causes those unrelenting hot flashes and inflammation, hormone imbalance and inflammation creates over 90% of our symptoms. So if we just know that, if we just know that and can get to the root cause and empower our body physiologically, mentally, spiritually, it's all connected, then we transition a heck of a lot better. And I know there's, that's why I do what I do. Erin is there were times in my life where I was really imbalanced and getting imbalanced in the steps that I took to do that or what I share because there was nothing that I was willing to take from pharma. I, you know, I didn't want, I wanted to feel, I didn't want to stop feeling. And I saw so many of my patients stop feeling and, you know, and it's disempowering when you're relying on an exogenous source. I mean, sometimes we need to, I'm not saying I never, sometimes we need to, but it's so empowering when we're like, oh my gosh, okay, I focused on this. I did this, you know, for seven days or 16 days, whatever it may be. And I feel better and I did it, right? Like I accomplished it. You accomplished this. You feel better because you made steps to feel empowered. And that's, you know, that is so much better. Yeah. Do. And that's, and that is really what I'm looking for examples of women who have taken their lives into their own hands in their second spring. I'm going to take it. I'll I love it. it. Take it. And, the Japanese. And, and allowed themselves to change and evolve and pivot towards maybe a version of themselves that they wouldn't give them permission, themselves permission to be yeah. 
or doing things that they might not have let themselves pursue because they were too, it was too risky or too unconventional or, you know, too scary, right? We're too out of the box. Right. When we're taught to pursue safety, you know, I mean, I remember even like sweating, how am I going to talk about my, this new phase of my life on LinkedIn? You know, how am I going to like, Post to my professional colleagues, you know, this community of people that I've cultivated over the last 20 years in the media business. How am I going to, how am I going to not seem nuts? How has it been received? Fucking great. Great. Sorry. Can I curse on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Yes. So great. And so support from so many different unexpected corners of my professional and personal communities where people have showed up in my life after hearing my podcast and hearing the things that I'm talking about, that I'm sort of lifting up the rock and shining the light, all these things that we don't want to really talk about, about what it feels like to be you know, solidly in midlife and maybe the things that we want a do-over on. So many people have come to me and said, God, you're singing my song. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I can't believe you're talking about this because, you know, this is how I've been feeling. Give you know, us some and- examples of some of those thoughts. And I know like you're, you have the comedic side too. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how can we make this funny? How can we make menopause funny and sexy? Yeah. I mean, part of the title of my show is Hotter Than Ever. I wanted to give a nod to the sort of misconceptions of what it is to be in midlife, you know, that there's this sort of myth of like constant hot flashes. So, but also I like the empowered side of it, which is like, I have literally never felt sexier. So like, you know, that's for me part of hotter than ever. And having my own voice makes me feel hot. You know, I've had people come to me and say, I'm out of a long-term relationship. I have kids, but I've been seeing this younger guy, you know, and I, and I don't really have anyone to talk to about it because it's such a wonderful and exciting part of my life, but I don't really share it with my kids because it's too complicated. And like hearing she said, hearing me talk about that stuff really openly made her feel like, okay, like other women are are pursuing this path as well, where part of our agency, you know, has to do with sexuality. It's not the only topic I talk about. It's just my favorite. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's one of Um, my favorites too. So yeah. And also people who have made midlife career pivots. You know, I, I had on a director who was a lawyer for a very long time and she became a documentary film director. And you know, what did that look like? What did that feel like to sort of step out from behind the briefs and the torts and the things that she had to do as a lawyer to really focus on civil rights issues and make documentaries about them? And what did that take, you know, to to really gain the confidence? And what I've heard from a lot of women was, I could do this for other people. Yeah, I could do yeah. this because I was serving other people, but it's yeah. hard for me to claim it for me. Yeah. And yeah. so another thing I've heard a lot is like that women don't know what they want. They know they want something else in their lives, but they don't know what they want. And so hearing all of these conversations about people who have identified what they want and then just gone after it is inspiring. 
And I think because you can change, you can pivot, you just feel like you can. That's empowering. And that is empowering. If you know, again, what you put your intention on, the energy flows in that direction. So that's where we have to put our intention on attention on things that we love that what do we really want to be doing being able to be in that position to do that too, and not feel afraid, but to create and cultivate a support network around you. And I know for our listeners, this can feel, you know, motivating can feel scary when we're talking about Mm -hmm. that change, that transition, the redefinition of who you are, but that's by design. It is by design. Like, are you enjoying what you're doing? Are you, you know loving your life? Like, how are you experiencing each day? For me, I'm like, there's constant evolution and change. There are many purposes that we have in our lives. And so there's, you know, it's a time to first and foremost, like, you know, is focus in on your health. Like on your quality of life, on your health. So Aaron, as people go through this transition or what is, you know, one mantra that you have that you say on a, like a regular basis, that's probably most empowering to you. Kind of two things. One thing is about trying to focus on the things that only I can do in my life. So I could design a website and I could support an email list and I could do social media marketing and I could do all of that stuff, but that's not where my true gifts lie. So I spend a lot of time asking myself, is this in my zone of genius? And I'm cribbing that from someone else, but it's something that I've claimed because I really think a lot of us spend a lot of time doing things we're pretty good at that other people can also do. But what is it that only I can do? That's a thing I ask myself all the time. Yeah, what is it that, that is good. That is unique to me and my gifts and my skills that I've cultivated. My zone of genius. The, I love it. Right? Your zone, zone of genius. genius. Yeah. And I'm going to send you who said it. So you can put it in the show notes okay. so that no one will accuse me of stealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> because it is cribbed. And the other thing is more on the woo side, but all my good is on its way to me right now. Mm-hmm. All my good is on its way to me right now. It's like about to knock on the door. All the good things that I so clearly have identified that I want, that I and the things that I don't even know that I want. Even better. Those forces are conspiring to make my life amazing. And to touch into the juiciness of it, to the feeling of it, to the Mm. feeling of the love of the compassion of the goodness of the joy, the fun, you know, the laughter, like how can we just have that right to cultivate more of those feelings yes, and really experience the richness of feelings. And again, with high feelings, there can be low feelings. That is, there will be low feelings. There will be low feelings. So it's it's experiencing that, allowing yourself to, I wish we had more time to talk, Erin. Your podcast is awesome. Will you tell our audience how they can touch base with you? Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. I've loved this conversation. You can find my podcast on any platform where you can find podcasts. Just look for Hotter Than Ever with Erin Keating. And please find me on Instagram. I'm at Hotter Than Ever Pod. Hit me up, send me a DM, comment on one of the videos. Let's get in a conversation about how to make you hotter than ever. I I love it. I love it. And definitely there's always one next right step, right? We can always take one next right step to our better, healthiest self. There's always one next right step. I just want you guys to think about that from our podcast today to touch into your feelings, journal Mm -hmm. about it, write it down. How are you feeling? You know, what are you feeling right now? And practice today and the rest of today. And if 
that's not already a, a regular part of your practice, being in the present moment, navigating your thoughts when they go to the past or they go to the future and harness them into the present moment because this is where we find true joy. All right. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you to our guest, Erin Keating, for being on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Check out her podcast, Hotter Than Ever. <laughs> and everything she touches, she does with amazing skill. So I encourage you to do that. And please let me know what questions you guys have, what's come up for you. Be sure to comment under this and share this episode. Thank you guys for being here. Till next time on the Girlfriend Doctor Show.